Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their live recording at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary Campus. They're taking questions and answering some very good questions delivered to by the students. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and a faithful service to His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Uh, at this point, I'd like Riveting. to transition into a time of Q&A, and, and I, asked for, um, I asked for questions, uh, if anybody had any questions, and I had, uh, had a a couple of faithful people who really had some good questions. And so our students are going to ask the questions at this time. Uh, I'm going to let them ask it in their voice, uh, and we'll respond as best we can. I can't promise you that we are going to be able to answer every question or that every question has uh, a good answer, if you will, necessarily from a quote-unquote Lutheran perspective. Or some, some answers are just Christian answers, too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a distinctive. It's not something that we would answer differently than a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Catholic even. So um, anyway, at that point, I'm going to turn this over to our dear friend. Who's our first uh, question? Mason Mitchell. Mason Mitchell from the great state of Pennsylvania. He'll be our first questioner. What do you got? <laughs> All right. So I've like heard the claim that though we are completely saved by faith, that our good works um, could contribute to different levels of punishment or rewards in respect of hell or in heaven. Um, is there an official Lutheran position on this? And if not, what are your opinions on this? It's a good question. <laughs> Jason? It, let's, let's break it down. Yeah, is yeah. there, an, to, to the best of your knowledge, is there a quote-unquote Lutheran answer to this question, or is it more of a, more of a, you know, just kind of a general? Well, yes and no. Uh, the, the Lutheran understanding of things is that there are not different levels in heaven or hell, uh, at least as we conceive of them. Uh, but we would acknowledge that Scripture speaks of, like, the benefit that good works have in eternity or, or things like that. The, the, the two realities in Scripture we have to understand is, one, there will be no sin, or no sin in eternity. And so if there is uh, a delineation of you've done this well, you've done that well, it will be in such a way that there's no envy or jealousy. And we can't really conceive of what that looks like right now because we're very envious and jealous people. Uh, but, but the other thing is, is that scripture is also pretty clear that in eternity, our reward is Jesus. And, and when the, the saints in eternity are talked about, uh, we're laying down our crowns before the throne in eternity. And so there, there's nothing we can do in eternity that will make eternity be any better than it already is because of Christ. It's not something we need to spend a lot of time worrying about. In fact, there are much more tangible benefits here and now that our good works have than we can conceive of in eternity, just simply because it's the way God has designed creation to work. And it benefits our neighbor. Yep, our exactly. Works, you know, our neighbors are benefited by mm -hmm. our obedience to the law, I think, that way, definitely yep. here. Uh, as far as, oops, as far as... Um, 
the other side, as far as hell would go, is there levels of, of hell? Uh, Dante's Inferno? Is okay, that right? right down. That's going there. Comes yep, down stole that thunder mm-hmm. from me. Yeah, sorry. I, but yeah. he was a Roman Catholic. I know very little about the classics, but when I can, <laughs> when I can look smart, I try. Um, the, the idea of the, this levels of punishment, the only thing we get in Scripture, and there is that phrase, and I'm not even going to be able to, to, you could Google this if you want, um, but the idea of uh, Jesus saying it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. Sure. And that idea of that there's a hint that day of judgment is going to look different for uh, that side is, is maybe there, but there's different interpretations. Maybe you guys know something as far as interpretations. I don't on this. I, I think that's being spoken of in terms of perceived reward in that when Jesus talks about it'll be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you, it's because the people he's speaking that to are expected to be rewarded for eternity. And on judgment day, they will not be rewarded because they don't have faith. And so, I, I, again, I don't think there's a gradation uh, or levels of hell. I think that, that stems from, uh, honestly, I think it stems from our idea that we want someone always to be more sinful than us. And we're always looking to compare. So it's like, well, if we can put, if we can reserve a spot in hell for Charles Manson and Adolf Hitler and a couple other terrible people, maybe it will be less bad for others. And I don't think you get that concept because hell is taught of as eternal death, eternal suffering, eternal separation from the presence of God. It doesn't get much worse than that. Hmm. Do you have anything to add to that, Brad? No, no. Does that answer the question? Okay, enough. At this point, uh, next question. Next question. Uh, who, who is that over there? Jacob Thornblad. Can you explain more about the Office of the Keys? Well, I haven't explained anything yet, so I can explain <laughs> yes, some. You can. Yes, I can do more than I have. They exist. Next question. Uh, no. It yeah. exists. It's one office, and the keys are plural. Uh, do you guys have, who wants to take that? Yeah, I think that's a, you know, going back to the scripture that, that speaks of um, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loose. In, is that, mm-hmm. is that yeah, right? Matthew, yeah, I, mean, I, I will give you the, the keys of the kingdom. Yeah, the keys of yeah. the kingdom. Matthew, Matthew 16, 16, Matthew 18. Yeah, right. Yep. That's a, the reference of, that's a scriptural reference to that. Yeah, uh, so basically the, the answer I would say to that would be mm-hmm. God has given uh, his church, capital C now, not just, you know, the, you know, the Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, Lutheran AFLC, that kind of thing, or, you know, Presbyterian church or Catholic. He's given the church the authority to forgive sins and to release or or, and and to withhold forgiveness of sins. And and here's where that becomes a problem. Immediately, everybody's going to think, well, I thought God forgave sins. He does. The church becomes the mouthpiece. The church becomes the mouthpiece of that declaration. And so when a person comes to me and says, for instance, pastor, I've sinned and I've sinned in this way, we have the opportunity as, mm-hmm. as children of God to say to that person, this is, I think this is true not just mm-hmm. of, of pastors, Clergy, I think it's true Christians. Of, of Christians, mm-hmm. of all yep. Christians, to be able to say your sins are forgiven. And God gives us that gift, as, and Luther talks about it this way, is almost a sacramental thing meaning that there's a visible means to God's invisible grace. Uh, and, and so this idea of this visible means of me being able to say to you, for instance, Jacob, you know, your sins are forgiven. You get to hear that audibly through my, my voice. Now, Luther said it wasn't a sacrament. He didn't go that quite as far as the Catholic Church did. But he said yeah. it's sacramental almost in that, that you get to hear the, the proclamation that your sins are forgiven. But that's not because I forgave your sins. It's mm-hmm. not because I 
uh, paid for your sins on the cross in order for that to be possible. That's all Christ. I'm simply declaring what Christ has already declared to be true. And he's given me that responsibility as a believer to be able to confess and proclaim that to you as well. And alternatively, there's the other side to that as well, right? That, that if you're, uh, and, and we used to say this, uh, I, I looked to, to Pastor Molstry, uh, he's here with us today. Uh, he was my internship supervisor out in Pittsburgh and, and uh, as I was a pastor out there and the thing we'd always used to say on Communion Sunday, uh, and to the impenitent and unbelieving, I say God, God has not forgiven your sin. And, and there's that declaration of if you have, have uh, not confessed your sin, not called it sin, not, not uh, you know, felt sorrow over it in, in your heart and turned to Christ, your sin is not forgiven. That's what, but that, again, that's not because I don't like you. It's because I'm declaring what the scripture says. <laughs> yeah. Right? It, I'm, I like, I'm simply I like the declaring what Christ of, um, has promised. You know, I think the illustration has been used of you know, the king uh, off in the castle that declares uh, the prisoners are set free. And then you have the jailer with the keys in the jailhouse that go to the prison door and say, you're free. Uh, and the jailer is saying that based on what the king has said or declared. And, and that's kind of similar to us, you know, going to people and saying, you're forgiven. Uh, or like you've described there, Adam. Yeah, I just, I like that image there of connecting it to what God has declared and, and our role and um, declaring that to people. Yeah. I think uh, historically that's been taken different ways mm -hmm. by um, by the church, by the Catholic Church, especially. I know that that has been uh, one of the ways that they've used, uh, or one of the verses they've used to kind of talk about the authority given to, for instance, Peter uh, as the, the the first pope, if you will. Um, and I've understood it that way. And 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 I don't uh, we we do not. Uh, I when I say we, I'm talking for all three of us. But I guess I mean. Uh, Lutherans do not believe that that's the case. They would say oh, it's a gift to all believers and a specific, specifically something that should be done often. The proclamation of forgiveness of sins as people come and confess them. So I think that that is, is important for us to have. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, the theology behind it is that God's word does what God's word is meant to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Genesis 1, God says, let there be light and there's light. And so if God says you're forgiven of your sins, you're actually forgiven. And we spend way too much time in the church talking about the gospel without actually preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where kind of the, the hiccup is with the office of the keys is because Christians and especially pastors, but all Christians are never, ever supposed to let confessed sin hang there without the gospel. That, that we're, not, we're not supposed to communicate that something else has to be done. If someone confesses their sin, they need to be forgiven. And, and that's the whole purpose behind why God gives the gospel to the church. Mm -hmm. Next question. Um, Maggie Smith. The next question is, what is the Lutheran view of what the church service is supposed to be? What's the Lutheran view of what the church service is supposed to be? Who wants to take that? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes Lutherans use the expression, the divine service. And the, the reason for that is because uh, it's God is divinely giving us his gifts in the, the service. And sometimes Lutherans refer to like a worship service. Um, and, and maybe the emphasis with the saying it's a worship service is, is us directing our worship toward him. And um, there's, there's both of those things that are happening there, but sometimes you can emphasize one over the other uh, more so. Um, I don't riff off of that. Well, the... The worship service, there's two ways to look at it. Either we're doing something for God or God is doing something for us. And if our first move is to go to God, that can't be anything other than the law. 
because we're not going to do it well enough, we're not going to do it good enough, uh, and really we don't have anything to offer to God. But if the first move in the worship service is that God is coming to us with his gifts, then we can respond to that. So if, if the first move in the worship service is we confess our sins and we hear that we're forgiven, then we're responding with praise rather than trying to drum up some sort of attitude that convinces us we've done something for God. And, and so the Lutheran understands of the worship service is that God is there to serve us with the gifts he has promised to give us. And then we respond with praise and thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big thing for me that really changed my understanding of going to church. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and when when I realized that going to church, I I mean, just a show of hands, you don't, well, I don't know. This is an (laughs) embarrassing thing. But how many of you go to church because you know it's the right thing to do? Right. We, we go to church because we know it's the right thing to do. And, and so a lot of times oh, I got to go to church today. But if if I told you that um, I need you after this to come downstairs because I have a bright, crisp, shiny, new $100 bill. And I said, don't shine, but they kind of do. Well, you get my point. <laughs> if it was a shiny $100 if bill, I, said, you're I would lying. love to give you a, a gift of $100, every one of you. I don't, by the way, and have zero intention <laughs> of giving any of you $100. But if I did, right, none of you would dread going downstairs to get that gift, would you? None of you would. You'd all, you'd all be glad to line up. You'd love that. You'd love that $100. God does that to us. And it's when I realized that God is the one serving us. Yeah. Uh, that 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 is that he's giving us the gift of his word and that he's you know, the proclamation even of yep. the forgiveness of sins like we yep. just talked about or the idea that god is um coming to us in the gift of bread and wine those are the kinds of things that that as he promises to do those uh things for us the the worship becomes a response to that our praise to him becomes a response for the, the gift of love, that he makes that first move to show his love and appreciation to us. Uh, and that changed, uh, really changed my view. And it wasn't, interestingly enough, it wasn't, again, Pastor Molstry, I, I throw you under the bus, but it was... It, Should it, we it just bring it, him up here for you? It was, yeah, he'd probably be better. We've had him on before. We've had him on the podcast before. And uh, my mom said it was her favorite episode, which makes me sad. All right. <laughs> you did all the talking and I didn't. So, uh, but, but the point being is that I didn't realize until I was in seminary that that, that really is how church, it, what, what church is all about, what the proclamation of the word is for. Yeah. Um, I, I know yeah. I add one thing here too, <clears throat> especially as a Lutheran pastor, I've really appreciated uh, proclaiming the gospel to Christians in, in particular. I, I think sometimes we view the gospel as only for people that are becoming Christians. And then once you become a Christian, then you need the law. You need to get to it. Um, and so I've delighted in, in preaching, proclaiming through the divine service, worship service, uh, the gospel for everybody. Um, and it hits both uh, people that possibly aren't Christians and, and Christians to sustain our faith uh, and uh, as we walk uh, this life of Christ, in Christ. Yeah. Next question. My question is, my question is, should women wear head coverings and why or why not? Should women wear ha- Next question. <laughs> no. Yes, but only football helmets. Only football helmets. <laughs> uh, this is one of those questions where it's probably better to talk more about our principles of biblical interpretation rather than get caught up in the specifics of a thing. And, in, you know, going, what is it, First Timothy, where this pops up? I think First Corinthians, First Corinthians 14. So you yeah, got First Corinthians, a couple of passages where it comes mm-hmm. up. And, and we ask ourselves, 
is there a specific thing being commanded or is there a principle being taught? And, and you have to study scripture to find out if that's the case or not. In this case, I think you can make a reasonable argument that the principle being taught is modesty. And at the time of the writing of the New Testament, uh, modesty was expressed in head coverings and in, in humility in that sort of way. And so uh, if in our society... Uh, head coverings were seen as a modest thing, then the answer would be yes. But I don't think in our society, and not sinfully so, head coverings are no longer seen as an expression of modesty. They're, they're, they're kind of just seen as an antiquated sort of thing. So we realize that what's being prescribed, and in other places it's being prescribed for men as well, is modesty, that we're not making a flashy or a flourishing show to draw attention to ourselves, but the purpose of coming into a worship service or, or coming into a body of believers is that we want the attention to be focused on who God is and what God is doing and not on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are other principles like that, I think, in Scripture that we, we look at. Uh, the example of, um, I'm trying to think of, of some of the the illustrations. <laughs> One of the funny ones, and I've brought this up on the podcast before, but uh, so our listeners will know, but um, uh, Ezekiel 4-9 bread. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ezekiel 4-9 bread is, is kind of, how many have had Ezekiel 4-9 bread? Anybody here? Okay, so it like exists. The, the brand. You can buy it. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it's a brand. Right. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it's specifically made based on the ingredients described in Ezekiel 4-9. What they don't talk about <laughs> is that in Ezekiel 4, if you go the rest of the way, that bread is to be cooked over human dung. And if that's being done, I want nothing to do with it. Bread looks mm -hmm. fine. But if it's, no, thank you, I'm done, right? And, and the whole point was to draw attention. There wasn't a prescription there to make bread such and such a way for it to be beneficial for everybody who eats it. It was, I'm, I'm being, you know, it was a... It was teaching a, something Teaching specific, a specific yeah. lesson in that time. Now, the, the, we do that same thing. That was maybe a bad example, but the one, <laughs> the one is nailing the, uh, the, the things to the doorposts of your house. Okay. I see people who will have those little, uh, it'll be a little box in which the commandments are placed. In the, at the kind of, and that's the Old Testament picture of this is how we want this to be. Or, or uh, the Pharisees who would wear, you know, the, the specific, it's like the game it's headbands, only you got the Ten Commandments like on there, right? Uh, and, and you have that wearing it on your forehead, you know, in a very literal sense. No, the point is, is to have it on the forefront of your mind. Uh, and, yeah, and, and that idea is to, to be pro proclaiming it when you're going along and, and sitting by the way and, and you're going and rising up or sitting down, you're, you're proclaiming the word to each other. The point isn't I'm going to walk around and as long as I got the headbands game going with a card that has all Ten Commandments on it, I'm good. No, the point is... Uh, especially with headbands, <laughs> guess what's on your head? What do you think it is? Uh, you're breaking them all. <laughs> oh, Ten Commandments, I got it. Okay. Um, if you don't know the game headbands, you should go learn it because otherwise, yeah, whatever. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I think that kind of ties in here. Next question. I think we got time maybe for a couple, one or two more. All right, cool. Depending on how complicated it is. All right, this could is God Asher. create a rock so big that even he can? <laughs> Asher, Jake, and God create. There you go. All right, so question about um, like the liturgy of a Lutheran service. Why is the typical Lutheran service structured the way it is? Liturgically? Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. It ties back to not our previous question, but the mm -hmm. one before that about what the Lutheran service, what we believe the Lutheran service to be. And one of those, um, I guess, one of those things is uh, when we come into God's presence. 
I think when we go into God's presence, we go as sinners. And so at the front end of the Lutheran kind of liturgy or the service is always the confession, the traditional Lutheran liturgy, I should say, is traditionally the forgiveness of sins. That we come in recognizing our place and God's place. And as we hear, you know, as we have the opportunity to confess our sin, we go there and we confess that. Um, We then hear the forgiveness of sins, that our sins have been forgiven in Christ. uh, And that refreshes us to worship him rightly. And oftentimes then we'll go into some form of worship or confession about who we believe God is. For instance, the Apostles' Creed or different uh, confessions that way. The Nicene Creed, some churches use the Athanasian Creed. Very occasionally, (laughs) Um, if you're trying to make a point because it's so long. But the, um, in other creeds as well, other confessions from scripture. Um, and then I think centrally, and, I, and I, I'll let you guys talk too, I feel like, I, I'm passionate about this, so I, that's why I jumped <laughs> on this one. Um, I, I, I love the liturgy. I think it's very, structure, very structured, very orderly, and it helps me in my mind to worship well. But the centrality of the worship service is God serving us through his word and sacrament. So you have the scripture reading, you have the sermon, which is the central part, really, of the, the service. And that's true, I think, in, and that's remained true in, in a, a variety of different liturgies. Um, as, as, you know, different church bodies and different things as well. Uh, note that every church has a liturgy. Mm-hmm. Every church has a liturgy. And you think, well, Lutherans are liturgical. Well, what you're referring to is a specific type of liturgy. Every church has a liturgy, a structure, an order of how we are to walk through this, this time of orderly worship together. And sometimes it's less orderly and sometimes it's more orderly. And so we have, uh, yeah, we have different uh, ways of, of looking yeah. at that. And then as we close, we, we leave kind of on a, on a tone of praise, you know, one of praise and going out uh, into the world and in our vocations to serve him. And I think that's kind of the flow of what the Lutheran liturgy has been. Mm-hmm. What do you guys have to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the way you were talking about the order of things is uh, the way Martin Luther ordered his small catechism. You know, before he kind of formulated uh, the catechism, the small catechism, it was in a different order of things. And and uh, he put the Ten Commandments first, and then the Apostles' Creed, and then Lord prayer and and sacraments and table of duties and I I think that 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 structure is a great way to think about the the whole life of a Christian in general of God's law uh, shows reveals what we must do and also reveals our sin that leads us to the creed where we find what Christ has done for us that connects into prayer and uh, being able to uh, receive from God and communicate with God uh, in those petitions then uh, into sacraments and, and vocation it just flows nicely and I think that that catechetical catechism flow structure um, is is like you mentioned, Adam, uh, in various different Lutheran churches, that's the emphasis or that's the, the purpose behind uh, what we do in, in a service. Yeah. And I think, I think the important thing to remember here is it, when you go to worship, there should be a structure. There should be an order. There should be a way of thinking about those things. Uh, stru- uh, worship should have structure. It should have order. That's a biblical command. Uh, and, and so this idea of, of what, what are, you know, what is my mind being drawn to? This doesn't, this is not Lutheran specific. This isn't, you know, it's, it's Christians. And we, we need to understand what our minds being drawn to, why we are there, what we are hearing, what we're there for. And, and I think that's an important thing to, to understand. And as you go into worship, think about why am I doing this here? Uh, how am I being served by the, by the word of God or by his sacraments in this way? Um, what does it say about me? What does it say about him? And ultimately it should point to him, I think. Uh, Jason, do you have anything to add? We do need to close, but before we do, I'm going to no let Jason pressure, say huh? something because you are uh, 
you are, you know, kind here. of the godfather of <laughs> being Lutheran. So. Um, the, the whole point of a worship service from a Lutheran perspective is to hold law and gospel in tension with the word at the center. And it, th- that sounds like a great kind of thing. But sounds it, like a t-shirt. Yeah. The, the problem is, is if you, even Lutheran services, it, it's not readily apparent when this isn't happening unless you think about it. But I've been a part of worship services where we sit at the center of the worship service, where it's all about me. It's all about what I'm doing. And that's not the purpose. The, the, the goal in the worship service is to put you to death and to raise you back up to life. And if that doesn't happen in a worship service, you're not being fed by the word of God. And so if, if your sin at some point in time during the worship service isn't brought forward front and center, then you're not going to be put to death. You're not going to be properly terrified. And then you won't be in a position to receive the gospel. And if the gospel is there, but uh, nothing's been said about your sin, the gospel's meaningless. You can't be forgiven of sins you don't know you've committed. Uh, and, and so that's the whole point. If there isn't a move multiple times in the worship service from law to gospel, law to gospel, then you're missing the mark of what it means to be under the word of God and what it means to be receiving his gifts. And that's the purpose of the liturgy is to carry you through that so that you start confessing your sins and then your sins are forgiven. And in the service or in the sermon, your sins are confronted and then they're forgiven. And then at the end of the service, the tension is reversed because you're delivered the gospel and the sacraments, but then you're told out to go and serve the Lord. And all of those things have to be intention, otherwise you're missing the point of what God is delivering to you in his word. I knew you'd have something to say. <laughs> Amen. Rarely, if ever, do I have something to say. If you listen to the podcast, you realize he's been quiet. I've been a little disconcerting for Brett and I. We've talked more. Uh, no. With that being said, we do want to thank you guys for being here today. This was our first ever live recording. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how it sounds after the fact. But we do thank you for being here. Thank you for your questions. Uh, we do uh, do thank you for all that you uh, have done uh, can, for us and putting these yeah. things together and helping us with this, uh, making this happen. Uh, if you have any other questions, I know know brett and jason will stay around uh they'll sign autographs for you whatever you want because uh, brett is famous and uh Sheboygan. and easily the best looking of the three of us too <laughs> that's it's not hard to beat at any point uh we're gonna end it there and god bless you all <laughs>